fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. Welcome into the program. It is a Tuesday, the greatest day of the entire week. We are moving along quite fast here on the program. Welcome in. It is the Tuesday, the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live. Out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, however. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you may be watching or listening to the show, your Millennial General reporting for duty. Great to have you today. Big show lined up. Holy cow, I know I see that every day, but truly is today a big one. We have a lot of content we're going to try and cram through as usual. Bottom of the hour, Dr. Lance Izumai. He's with the Pacific Research Institute. He's also author of the brand new book, The Great Parent Revolt, as we talk about parents focusing on critical race theory, public education, and what we can do to fix some of those issues in the public education system. So we'll look forward to having him back on the program at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned in for that one, which is kind of an interesting topic right now going into the spring semester of school. Can you believe it, man? We are halfway through the month of January already. That kind of blows my mind and hurts my brain just a little bit. But we will continue to venture forth as quickly as it wants us to do. We also have some other big news that we'll get to today. We have the World Economic Forum that is officially underway with all the global elites. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But real quickly, and it kind of feeds off of the public education thing as well, because there's an ongoing conversation about how much we need to focus on parental control over your children versus the public education system where we just kind of pawn them off to there and be like, your duty is to teach our kids. Your duty is to educate them. Your duty is to put the world's perspective into our children's brain as opposed to us as the parents. Now, for those that may know or may not know, I have an eight-year-old daughter. She is in third grade right now. And it's cool because right now she's absorbing everything like a sponge. And I get to, and along with Mrs. Voice of Reason, obviously, We get to oversee her school projects, and we get to see what she's working on. We get to help her with her homework. We get to take things to a different level of perspective, so that way when she goes in, she doesn't just know how to regurgitate the numbers, but she understands it. And like her father, she is all about the math numbers because math was always my specialty. It just clicked. It made sense, and it made me excited when the project, when the math formula was completed of like, hey, I completed something, and I kind of get giddy about that. She does as well. Where we struggle is actually reading and writing, which is why I'm on radio and not a newspaper writer or a journalist or have a book out. Although we are working on trying to write a book for this program. Why? Because apparently every talk radio host has to have a book out there or two or three or a bazillion. So we'll get one out eventually. Speaking of uh, uh, the, the, the children, the education and the parenting, have you watched this new show? We started watching it last night. We watched, I don't know, two or three episodes of it last night. Called The Parent Challenge. I believe it's on Hulu, if I remember correct. Hulu or Netflix, I don't remember which one. But The Parent Challenge, where they get these different parents that di- they have different styles of parenting, and then they challenge the kids on how well that they do with certain projects, and then they essentially grade and judge on the best style of parenting that's out there. Now, first off, I have to admit that I did not know that there were so many different styles of parenting because they have broken them up into, I want to say, like seven or ten different styles, including traditional parenting, strict parenting, 
free-range parenting. I'm not quite sure what that one means. New age parenting, which again, I've never heard of these terms before. Routine parenting, where everything's by a schedule, by a routine. By this time you have to be doing this, by this time you have to be doing this. The helicopter parenting, of course they have to have helicopter parenting, and other different uh, groups, which I can't remember at this time. And as we're watching these, it was kind of interesting. Uh, it Kind of the insight to the house on how they get to raise their children, how they get to go about their day, and whether the kids actually adapt to the certain challenges that were presented to them, and how that parenting skill was able to hold up at that time, making the six-year-old being able to jump off the top diving board in a pool on whether they were able to connect with their kids, overcome that fear, whether they gave them the choice to do it, or whether the kids didn't want to do it, and how they overcame those certain things. It was It's an interesting show. But number one, I learned a couple of things. Number one is that I did not realize there were so many different styles of parenting, which made me really reflect on my kid as well, on how I parent, because I didn't know that there was a theme to it. But I think, I think that I blend between the traditional and maybe a little bit of a new age parenting. I don't know. Mrs. Voice of Reason was all about the traditional and a little bit more of the strict parenting. So we have, I think, even between her and I have a little bit different styles of parenting as well. But the other part that I realized was that there are a lot of really weak, really woke, and very triggered parents out there that get offended by everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that is one thing that I will make sure that my little voice of reason never has to experience because they drove me nuts. The parents were sobbing on the show yesterday about how triggered they were about certain scenarios. For example... And this is just one example that I can remember off the top of my head. There was one couple that had a six-year-old daughter, and they they were an Asian couple, and they were the traditional Asian couple. They were very, very strict on their kid. They had like 12 hours of practice playing the violin. They had multiple hours of doing homework. There was multiple hours of reading books. At six years old and in third grade or fourth grade, whatever she was in, she was already doing uh, middle school math because of how strict they were on her, which has some benefits and some negative connotations to them and they had made the comment when explaining on why they did their style of parenting was because they didn't they said they did not want their daughter to be a loser because they had seen that when kids aren't tested and aren't pushed to their limits and don't actually try to excel in something then they were the ones that lose the games or they were the ones that don't put all their effort into a certain uh a challenge or whatever it is or a certain project and they become the loser okay After they made the comment, there was another set of parents there that literally began sobbing because they said the term loser was a triggering word for them because they had been called a loser growing up because they were bullied. And they literally, as a 40-year-old adult male sitting there sobbing on a national TV show because the word loser was very triggering to him and how he asked her to refrain that and use a different term because that was very triggering to him. (laughs) Now, as sad as it is for someone to be called a loser or to be bullied, obviously that's not a thing and we don't condone that in any way, shape, or form. That's a horrible thing and we don't want that in society. It's never going to go away, number one. Number two, this goes into the woke mentality that we have in society today as well where we can't use certain terms. If At the end of the year, if you remember in 2022, there was the list of what uh, different universities are trying to recommend people use and not use for terms because it could be triggering or very offensive to certain cultures, certain people, certain individuals, certain groups. Okay, I kind of sort of see it, kind of, depending on the word. 
you know, there are certain derogatory words that will never be said on this program, nor do I ever say them in public or in private, because it's just, it, it's hurtful, you don't use them, it's just stupid, why would you ever want to use those terminologies? It's You don't classify individuals, you don't bring someone down, you don't bring a group of individuals down, you don't bring a class of people down, it's just stupid, why would you do that? However, the term loser, there are winners and losers in life. Let's just be honest. Everything is a competition, whether we want it to be or not. Everything is a challenge, whether you're competing in sports, whether you're competing for your grades, or whether you're competing in the career field to be able to move up the corporate ladder to become the manager or not be the manager, and you're competing with somebody else for that same position. There are winners and there are losers. If you don't win, then you lose at that aspect. Now, you can change the perspective and say, I didn't lose, but it's a growing process. And if that's the case, then you are a great motivational speaker and you are someone who always is optimistic in life. I am one of those people. I've never considered myself a loser, although I don't have the number one talk radio show host in the country. One of these days I'll get there, and I use that as momentum of, hey, I will get there to be one of the top talk show hosts in the country. That is my ultimate goal and my ultimate dream. And by golly, I'm tenacious enough to try and make it happen or do the best that I can. But I don't see myself as a loser, and no, no, nobody should see themselves as a loser as well. But the term is out there. But someone to be triggered as much as they were by the term loser uh, means that you have some demons in your closet meaning that you have some trauma to work out. And we have to remember, whether it's this issue, whether it's the LGBTQ issue where you self-identify as, or whether just a phrase or terminology or action or something from a significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, that is very quote-unquote triggering to you means that you have a trauma that's not their fault for saying it, but it's your fault for buying into it. Now, obviously, people that have PTSD, they get triggered by a certain amount of things. Not necessarily their fault totally get it however is it someone else i'm, I'm going to use this for example because i'm using a lot of generalities here fourth of july fireworks in our city city of wichita where i hail from here in the state of kansas we have every single year we have a group of individuals that, that recommend not to fire off fireworks during the fourth of july because it triggers the ptsd from veterans who may have seen action and the booming sounds in the sky is very triggering for some individuals totally understand we love our veterans we respect the hell out of them for what they've done for our nation don't disagree in any way shape or form however is it the fault of everybody else in society to pander and not fire off fireworks for those that are triggered by it or is it the duty of the individual who is suffering from those to go and seek help and work through that trauma because society is not going to cower to your needs. It's like the transgender asking to be referred to as a male when they're not specifically a male because they're a female that's wanting to be a male or vice versa. We don't pander to that. You can believe whatever you want to. You can feel however you want to, but it doesn't change reality when you walk out into the real world with everybody else. It means you have some shadow work to work on. It means you have some things to work on internally to make yourself better to where when that trigger happens, you don't emotionally respond to it as the way you need to. So that was one of my two takeaways from that is these these very woke, very weak, very emotional parents that just start sobbing over everything kind of drove me nuts on that show yes, last night. But I did learn a few things about certain parenting styles. Uh, I'm still waiting to see the helicopter parenting because obviously everybody knows that that's going to be the worst parenting style out there in the entire world. And if you disagree, that I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But I'm curious on what free-range parenting means. Look, the way I 
like the parent and Mrs. Voice of Reason, for the most part, on board with this, is, hey, you know what? We're going to push you hard where if you're going to do something, you need to give it 110%, whether it's schooling, whether it's athletics, whether it's a game, whether it's whatever, that you need to be respectful, that you need to give it 110% and give it everything you've got. And then if you do lose, then it's a learning block to not get upset about it, but to use it as a learning lesson to elevate yourself and move forward. We're going to teach you respect. We're going to teach you rules. We're going to teach you boundaries. Outside of that, we know that you have human nature and you're going to be testing those limits and those abilities and those boundaries that we've set. And you're going to be testing those because you need that world experience in which I'm going to give you that free reign to do that world experience. And just like when you were three and I told you not to jump off the stairs and yet you still jumped off the stairs playing uh, Power Rangers and you broke your foot, I did not try to pamper you or baby you. I looked at you and I said, well, we told you not to do it. You're not going to do that again, are you? Mrs. Voice of Reason is a little bit more on the nurturing side there, but that's my life lesson to her is, hey, we told you not to do it. You did it. Now you learned your lesson. All right. Can we move on now? And do you understand? I'm also one of those, however, I guess it's the new age thing to where if we tell them no, we're going to explain to them no, not just to say because I told you so, just go along with it or else because we're the parent and we said so. I, I disagree with that one strongly as well. Kind of an interesting conversation with the parent challenge uh, TV. I, like I said, I think it's on Hulu or on Netflix. Not quite sure where, but interesting to see the different styles of parenting. Do you think your style of parenting is the way to go? And is that how you think all the kids need to be raised? Obviously, everybody's got their own little tips and unique tricks to be able to raise their kids. Some are very hands-on, some are very hands-off. And I think that really reflects on how society is going today as well, based on those different techniques. All right, we'll shift gears and get to some current events when we get back here on The Voice of Reason. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. Darn right, 24 minutes past the hour. I know that the style of parenting is very, quote-unquote, triggering for some because, well, they were raised a certain way or they raised their kids a certain way and don't tell me how to raise my kids. That's why I kind of enjoyed that program. I know it's kind of a stupid one, and obviously there's a lot of wokeness in it because they have to bring all different styles in here, and then you have the sobbing bear. I don't use the word trigger. <laughs> Shut up. Grow up a little bit. Man, I don't know how people function in society sometimes. I'll tell you, some people are so soft and get so upset about everything. I don't know how you actually walk out your front door without bawling <laughs> every day. I get it. I mean, it's good to be in touch with your emotions. I'm not saying just to close up like a hermit and just be like a wall here. I'm not saying that. There's There's been a lot of generational trauma because of generations that have done that, of just sucking it down, swallowing it. And, hey, just get back there. I'm not saying that. Yes, guys are allowed to have emotion. That doesn't make you unmanly. If you get upset, but don't cry over a certain word. There's a line there. It's a line. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. There's a line, and sometimes you just don't want to cross it. And I'm very concerned about the beta males that's growing up in society, especially with the younger generation, because of the way they're being taught, both in the public education system and with the parents at home with some of the hands-on or hands-off that's really going on there. So kind of an interesting one. I'm getting some comments on some of the live feeds about the styles of parenting and what's good and what's not. I'm telling you, as long as you're not a helicopter, which they have a, the, the category there, the helicopter parenting, they have it. And it blows my mind how that's even a style and people are okay with the helicopter pantering. If for Take it for whatever it's worth from a guy that has one eight-year-old daughter 
is the only thing that I've learned so far and one of the biggest resonating messages that have been told to me that I try to live up to with the parenting of me is to cherish every moment, spend time with them, to be the loving parent and be a friend, but also be the parent first and foremost, and then guide them not to be the servant to do whatever your bidding is and not to be the parent for the entire life, but at least to teach them and raise them to become their own adult later on to where they can live without you. And I think that's where the helicopter parenting falls drastically short is you're not teaching them to be able to live without you later on in life. And that's a little concerning. All right, I want to get to a real quickly a headline here in what's trending. What's trending today? And before we get to our guest here after the bottom of the hour, so we have the World Economic Forum going on in Davos, Switzerland right now. Obviously, you know, them really wanting to, you know, stop the environmental climate issues that are going on and really talk about serious issues that are going on in the world and talk about the economics of the world and why we're in a recession after the COVID-19 pandemic. The perfect place to do that is right next to a ski resort in the middle of wintertime in Switzerland where you have parties and you have the luxuries. And oh, by the way, the elites that really don't want you to do certain things they are relishing and living it up with their high in uh hoity-toity lifestyles <laughs> there's a headline from the daily mail out of the uk there and here's the i'm just going to read you the headline and you can put it into your perspective however you want to prostitutes gather in davos switzerland for the annual meeting of global elites where demand for sexual services rockets during the economic summit <laughs> I just want to be clear here. The government leaders worldwide that gathered together for the World Economic Summit, talking about the economy, talking about the recessions, talking about the shortages and the supply demand, and, oh, by the way, trying to find out how to control your economic life after the report that we talked about yesterday regarding the top 1% of income earners globally consumed the two-thirds of all the economic growth over the last three years since the COVID-19 pandemic. Why? Because they shut us out. They made us stay at home. They made us wear the masks. They made us close down our small businesses that generate most of the economic activity. And then they consumed it all. They're the ones coming out there talking about how to, how to get the economy back on track and how to control more of your life. And while they're doing that, the party continues with the massive increase of sexual uh, services and sex workers that are going to Davos, Switzerland to meet up with the elites to party alongside of them. Aren't they looking out for your interests? Man. By the way, they're also talking about gender equality across the nation as well and across the globe. Obviously, the best way to do that is to hire a sex worker. So you have that going for you. When we come back, Dr. Lee, it's Zumai right around the corner this here for a Tuesday. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. This indeed is The Voice of Reason, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation, one radio listener at a time. Now I'm all concerned and thinking about my different styles of parenting. I don't know, man. I'm still getting comments on that, which you can, by the way, leave a comment on the social media feeds with the live feed that we have going on. You can send me a message. You can also email me, who's your media network at gmail.com or check out our website, who's your reason. That's H O O S E R. No I in Hoosier, who's your reason.com and any of our social media with the handle at who's your reason as well. The parent challenge, that new TV show, how you're raising your parents. Kind of interesting as we go through 
the new generations and what the new generations may look like with the different styles of parenting that are ongoing. We'll talk about some of this and more with our next guest. Really happy to have this guy back on for the first time in 2023. One of our favorite guests on the show. What's trending today? What's trending today is we're back at it with the spring semester for public education. And where are we when it comes to, as we talk about the role of parents and their children, not just in the home with the lifestyle, but also with their education as well as we battle off and fight off some of the crazy radical agendas going on in our public education system. He's the director at the Pacific Research Institute Center for Education. He's also author of the brand new book, The Great Parent Revolt, How Parents and Grassroots Leaders Are Fighting Critical Race Theory in America's schools. Excited to have back on the program with us here, Dr. Lance Izumai. Doctor, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Andy, and I'm doing even better that I'm on your show. I love having you on the program. It's always a great conversation, and it's such an important one, too. I am so glad, and we've talked about this before, I am so glad that parents are beginning to refocus again their attention on their children's education, and not just their education. We were talking uh, the last half hour over the breaks of this new TV show. I think it's on Hulu called The Parent Challenge of these different styles of parenting, whether it's the the new age or the free range or the routine parenting or the helicopter parenting and how now the focus is again on the young generation to make sure that we as parents are doing what's best for our children. I'm glad the focus is starting to be redirected this way again because it hasn't been for a while. No, I agree with you, Andy. Uh, I think that one of the important things that we've learned over the certainly the last uh, couple of years or so during the COVID uh, uh, pandemic is the fact that uh, parents really want a more individualized way of uh, educating their children. I think they've come to the realization that the one-size-fits-all type of system that they've been used to uh, with the public school systems, especially that with the school closures and then going to distance learning, and uh, that was you know largely unsuccessful. That they realize that hey, you know, my kid has uh, particular individual needs, and uh, th- those needs need to be addressed, and they can't be addressed uh, in this, uh, you know, um, uh, march along one size fits all system. And I think that uh, you know now that uh, you know COVID is uh, receding, I think a lot of uh, parents uh, have carried that. Uh, interest in having this more personalized type of instruction. And, you know, regardless of, you know, the type of uh, parent they are or the type of child, they realize that everybody has their own individual needs and that that can best be done, you know, through probably some kind of school choice program or homeschooling so that, uh, you know, you can have those needs of your child met and, you know, and not have to roll the dice that the public schools may actually address the needs of your child. That is very true. There's a lot of political agenda and societal agenda or social experiment crap they're trying to throw in. And it really started with the higher education, with the LGBTQ stuff and transgender issues or sexual orientation issues or even critical race theory. But it started with the higher education stuff. When do you think it really started bleeding into the K through 12 of saying, hey, let's target these kids at a way younger age to where we can brainwash them at the very beginning and the get go here? Well, you know, you're right, Andy, that uh, a lot of this uh, indoctrination that uh, kids are facing uh, today in the uh, public schools, you know, has come from higher education. And, uh, you know, uh, actually, this uh, a couple decades ago, I actually wrote a study for the Pacific Research Institute where I actually uh, did an analysis of the teacher training curriculum at the California State University Schools of Education, which, you know, t- uh, p- produced the bulk of the teachers in, in our state here in California. And what I found is that, you know, all of the critical race theory uh, types of things that parents are complaining about now 
Well, 20 years ago, that was being taught in uh, the uh, schools of education. So it's unsurprising that as more and more teachers are produced by a system like that, that they uh, adopt the type of indoctrination they received in their teacher training programs and then carry that over into the regular public schools. And so I think that right now, uh, unfortunately, you're seeing uh, almost a critical mass of teachers who have uh, brought those types of uh, views into the classroom. And that's why you're seeing uh, this uh, parent, Great Parent Revolt, the name of my book, The Great Parent Revolt, going on all, all across the country. It's not just a teacher here or there or maybe in a blue state or in this particular urban city. No, it's actually all across the country. When you see uh, uh, you know, where these uh, revolts by parents are going on, they're happening in red states, they're happening in blue states, they're happening in purple states, and it's because uh, they have realized, parents have realized that the education deep state that now controls public education is uh, now uh, indoctrinating their kids as opposed to educating their kids, and especially uh, when it comes to something like crit critical race theory, which basically separates uh, children uh, into oppressors and oppressed classifications based upon their race. And it's one of the most divisive doctrines ever to penetrate American public education. Yeah, amen to that. It's a devastating way to even look at the world. And it's sad because right now we already have a lack of patriotism in the nation. And, and now we're calling it apparently right-wing nationalism, where you can't have nationalism to where if you, you're just proud of the flag, you remember the national anthem, you can sing the national anthem, you can say the Pledge of Allegiance. And if you know how to properly hang or fly a flag, then you're part of the nationalist, nutso, patriotic goons in this country because we can't be doing that apparently in school anymore. Is that contributing to this when we have to apologize for who we are, apologize for the history of maybe our skin color, or apologize for the history of the country? Is that leading to this lack of appreciation of our system and of our country? Yes, I mean, it all goes hand in hand, Andy. I mean, if you look at uh, some of the uh, curricula that is uh, being used in the public schools and also the exercises that uh, students are being subjected to, it's really shocking. One of the um, uh, things we did in our book, The Great uh, Parent Revolt, is we actually interviewed uh, students and to see what, what exactly is going on in their classrooms. We interviewed this one student who was telling us that he was forced in his middle school to participate in a so-called privilege walk where uh, the students in the class would line up in a line uh, and then the teacher would call out so-called privilege characteristics like I am white, take a step forward. I am a Christian, take a step forward. I am male, take a step forward. And, you know, uh, this student was telling me that it was like a criminal lineup. And so, uh, you know, and since he was the only uh, white male in the uh, class, he felt like uh, he was... Uh, being singled out for negative uh, stereotypes, you know, of who he was, you know, based upon characteristics that are totally beyond his control and not uh, and having to do anything with him as an individual human being. And so I think that when you have these types of uh, uh, curricula and exercises going on, I think that it contributes to this lack of patriotism that you talk about. And, uh, you know, you end up having a situation where uh, patriotism you know, is uh, if you look at the polling data, you know, is on the decline. You know, I, I, I profiled in one of my previous books a uh, charter school out here in California called John Adams Academy uh, that actually, uh, you know, focuses on American heritage, the founding documents, and patriotism. And uh, when they started up, 
they had a massive flock of people who uh, went to uh, the informational hearing uh, the uh, session on that school, uh, and because there was such a hunger for that type of education amongst parents. And I think uh, there's still the demand. The trouble is there isn't a supply right now. It is very sad. It's And it's sad that it's hitting so young at a K-12. through I mean, my brother told me the story when he went to college where he was in the classroom and his teacher said because he is white, because he is straight, because he is a male, and, and because the biggest thing was because he had both of his parents together that were not divorced, that he literally was the most privileged student in the entire school and in the entire classroom and that it was his fault for many of the other travesties that the other kids had to go through. And I mean, this wasn't K through 12, but this was still higher education and a freshman year of college where he was at fault and was the most privileged out of all of them because he was white, straight, and male, and he had both of his parents together. Blew my mind. No, no, that, that's right. I mean, and, you know, that, that's exactly what we pinpoint in our book, The Great Parent Revolt, that how, you know, this type of uh, just insidious type of doctrine uh, is like uh, forcing. You know, uh, people like your friend, uh, the student that I talk about in uh, my my book. You know how, how it forces them to, uh, you know, to to basically fit a stereotype of the left about who they are. Not again about who they are as individuals. And again, you know, this student told me that he felt like he was in a criminal lineup, not in a classroom. And so why should uh, students be made to feel that way, you know, when they're supposed to be learning the basic subjects? I mean, if you look at the test scores that were uh, released uh, just a couple months ago, the national test scores, you know, the, you see massive declines in math and reading, and, uh, you know, which uh, were not uh, high to begin with before the pandemic. But, you know, with the pandemic, you saw massive uh, declines in those basic subject uh, proficiencies. And so instead of focusing on those sorts of uh, important issues, teaching your kids the three R's, you know, uh, schools are instead uh, focusing on uh, indoctrinating your child. And I think that one of the reasons why they're, uh, you know, doing that is because, you know, that way they can say that the reason for the poor performance of children is not because of, uh, you know, their own failings as a school system, but because of their systemic or institutional racism that uh, in the United States has stretched back to the founding of the country, and it shifts the blame to somebody else. They love passing that blame off to somebody else. It's Dr. Lance Azumai, author of the book, The Great Parent Revolt, How Parents and Grassroots Leaders Are Fighting Critical Race Theory in America's Schools. Got to take a break. When we come back, I want to continue this conversation. You just opened up another box with when it comes to funding and how much money is being sunk into public education. And are the test scores, is the quality getting better or worse? We'll do some of that. And what are we doing to fight against with the revolt of the parents? Lots more coming up right here on The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, I have to admit, one of my biggest pet peeves in the world is hypocrisy. Saying one thing and doing something different or the rules for me, not for thee. We see it all the time. Prime example, as we talked about a little bit earlier in the program, this World Economic Forum, all the great elites of the world getting together to talk about the finances, talk about the economy, talk about the way the world should be. 
While they demonize the top 1%, which they more than likely probably are, as they want to redistribute wealth and then try and enslave everybody else economically. And as we read earlier in the program that there's a headline about the vast number of sex workers and prostitutes going to Davos, Switzerland, because there's a high demand during the time the elites are there. Uh, while they're talking about gender equality issues in the workforce, at the same time, they have over, a th- according to the Daily Mail, they have over a thousand private jets that are flying in for the economic forum as well, while they're there talking about green energy and environmental issues. I, uh, I, again, find that relatively ironic, kind of like the public education system where we say we're educating kids and then, and again, this is not an attack on all public school teachers at all because there are so many teachers out there that are doing a wonderful, amazing jobs and your hands are tied, which is why the system needs to be changed. We have massive amounts of money being dumped into the public education system, predominantly in inner city areas, largely populated areas, when, as you mentioned, Dr. Lance Azumai on the line with us here, the author of the book, The Great Parent Revolt, also director of the Pacific Research Institute's Center for Education. Massive amounts of money being sunk into the public education system, and yet grades aren't going up, test scores aren't going up, quality's not going up. So with our parents' revolt, who do you think is to blame the most? Is it the administrative peak and the pinnacle of the public education system, or is it the teachers' unions that are tying the hands of the teachers, or is it a combination of both, do you think? Oh, it's a combination of both, Andy. I think what you're seeing is, again, what I refer to as the education deep state. It's the education special interest groups like the teachers' unions, which are very powerful. It's the way we allocate money. Uh, you know, yes, you can say that, hey, we've increased, you know, uh, funding for the uh, public schools, but the question is, where is that funding going to? Who is it paying for? And is what uh, that money is going to actually producing bang for the buck in the uh, manner of uh, improving students? performance. I think one of the things, unfortunately, that you're seeing more and more of right now is that a lot of the dollars are going to um, uh, the critical race theory type of uh, offshoots like uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, consultants who are basically training uh, the uh, staff at school districts to be uh, woke indoctrinators. And so, I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, in fact, just very recently in the last few days, uh, that has come out in Virginia, and uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin there, you know, is saying that there needs to uh, be uh, investigations, and I believe that the state attorney general is going to uh, do some investigations there about where all that money is going. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, what you're seeing is that instead of uh, focusing those dollars on improving student performance, which is what parents want, what you're seeing is uh, actually those students who actually are doing well, you know, who are being penalized because the emphasis is on equity, which is means same results for all students, even if they're low, and uh, not really uh, equality, which is different than equity, equality of opportunity, which means you have the chance to excel to the level that your potential uh, grants you. And in, uh, so high-achieving students, unfortunately, under uh, doctrines like equity, are are not recognized and their achievements are diminished because uh, to do so would uh, hurt the feelings of the kids who aren't achieving. So therefore what you have is incentives for kids not to do well. And again, with a system that is already failing, when you push in that type of political uh, doctrine into the classroom that disincentivizes kids from doing well, you end up having even more failure. 
What a sad system. Lance, we got just about 45 seconds here as we kind of wrap up. But where did this concept of equity come from? We keep hearing that word of equity now, which I'm curious on who's actually setting the value of your equity as a, as a human being. That, to me, is the most disturbing part of it on a philosophical, fundamental level. But when did this term of equity come about? Well, it's been coming out, you know, again, as you pointed out early in the program, Andy, uh, through higher education. And so uh, it's a term that's used because it is uh, more palatable uh, and a more euphemistic term to the average person than uh, the term critical race theory, even though basically it's the same thing. Uh, And so, therefore, you can uh, shove... CRT-related curriculum and teaching practices under the guise of equity when you can't undersee CRT. we got a lot of work to do to clean up the system, but you're on it. So many people are on it. People are waking up about what's going on in the public education system, and you need to check out the book, The Great Parent uh, Revolt, How Parents and Grassroots Leaders Are Fighting Critical Race Theory in America's Schools. Dr. Lance Azumai. Lance, it's so good to talk to you, my friend. Happy New Year. I can't wait to chat with you again real soon, my friend. Thanks so much, Andy. It's great to be on your show. Hey, always a pleasure. We love it. We'll do it again here real soon. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a bit. Back at it tomorrow. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.